But hey, uh, what's up? Hey, George, thanks for sharing. That was awesome. Yeah, dang, two minutes. Uh, it's really cool to hear George share that uh, because, yeah, I just knowing him for the last year or so, like, he wasn't saved when he came here. And, like, to see him now, like, sharing about how much the Lord, like, met him through, like, the life of John Cashel and, like, Jason, Jack, and Sam, um, it's just really awesome to see, like, what the Lord can do in and through you. And Brandon, of course. Um, he's like, Sam? No, no, Brandon. Um, and so, yeah, it's just uh, really, I mean, like, thank you, Jesus, that he uses people to, to reach us and to help change us. Um, also, the weather, is it fall yet? Yes? Yeah, not officially. Um, well, tomorrow, I don't know if it's officially fall, but tomorrow is, um, International Hobbit Day. Yay! It's made for me. Um, but, yeah, if you didn't know, International Hobbit Day is September 22nd every year because it's Bilbo's and Frodo's birthdays. And if they weren't born, then we wouldn't be here today because Frodo helped kill Sauron. And we'd still all be under his rule, his evil rule, if he was still alive. Yes, I know. Yeah, so thank you, Jesus, for Frodo um, and for Jesus. But... um. Anyways, I'm going to get started right now. So, um, hey, have any of you guys thought about the question, like, if you could be friends with, like, like, if you have, like, some famous person or some hero or some, like, you know, even, like, historical figure that, like, you could be friends with for the rest of your life, have you thought of, like, what that would be like and who it would be? Anyone? Who? Who, who are some people? Yes? Adrian Camp. Jeremy Camp's wife. Hey, that's awesome. Okay, Jeremy Camp is a, like, renowned, like, Christian music artist, and I'm sure a godly person. Never hung out with him, but I'm sure he's great. Brandon? Betty White. Dang. Just moment of silence. No, I'm just kidding. Who else? Who else? Anyone? Who? Corey Tinboom. Just holiness, like learn from her. Okay, yes. Corey Ten Boom was um, a lady. Uh, she was Dutch. She lived during uh, World War II, and her and her family helped basically hide Jews from the Germans during World War II. And she has a ton of books where it just talks about her life of faithfulness and her family and all that stuff and how she went through some super difficult things in order to be faithful to God. So that's a great one. One more. Who else? That's it. Three ladies. Four ladies. A lady? Jacques Cousteau. Hey! Marine biologist. So just to learn because you're in that area of field? Okay, cool. Yeah, so she kind of said something, you know, all, all y'all's answers was along the lines of, like, these people are obviously, like, kind of above others in your minds or in the world's eyes as being, like, basically experts at whatever they do, right? Um, so for me, um, one person, I, I'm actually going to share two. One person is uh, a guy, this one right here. Anyone know the guy in the middle? Who knows who the guy in the middle is? Okay, like three people, 
maybe four or five? Okay, okay, a few more. Okay, his name is Lionel Messi. Obviously, you can see he just won a trophy back in November. He is an he is a professional soccer player from Argentina, and he has been playing for like the last 20 years or so of his wait. 19, 17, 18, 19. Since he was like 18 years old, he's been playing professional soccer in Europe at high levels, and like he's arguably, arguably the best soccer player ever in the world. Okay, so this was him and some of the Argentinians when Argentines, not sure how to say it, back in November when they won the World Cup, they beat France um, in penalty shootouts, and it was a super exciting game. I love playing soccer, so if there was like any one soccer player that I could be friends with for the rest of my life and learn from him, it would definitely be Messi. Another person I would love to be friends with is this guy. Anyone know who this is? Aomer? This is Aomer. Okay, so I wore this shirt in honor of Aomer. This is a crest of the kingdom of Rohan. He's fictional. He's not real. Rest in peace. Um, but he is from the series Lord of the Rings, and I just love this guy in the series. He's so faithful to his king and to his country, and he's like the leader of the Rohanian cavalry and cavalry, cavalry, and um, he's just, he's a beast. Obviously, he was like on his way to like slaughter some orcs during that picture, so they got an action shot right before he killed some baddies. Um, but anyways... This is a cool idea, right? Okay, so like if I could be friends with whoever and learn from them, it would be amazing. I would become the second best at whatever because they're the best at this. Well, unfortunately, that's not how friendships work. Generally speaking, friendships just kind of happen on accident, right? It's like somehow or another you end up finding out that you like the same sport, right? Or like maybe when we're younger, um, our friendships were really basically just based off of nothing that we had done on our own accord, right? So, like, first friends in our neighborhood, right? Live on the same street. For me, our family moved when I was nine. So, after nine, I basically stopped being friends with the people that lived on that street because what was our common interest? We lived next to each other, right? And so, once that changed, it affected our friendship greatly. So... Um, the same thing is true with, like, if you played a sport when you were a kid or if you played with, like, the same toys or something, you know, or if you went to the same school or anything along those lines. But once that stopped, so either you move or you stop going to the same school or whatever, essentially there's a good chance that that friendship stopped because um, what C.S. Lewis talks about in a, in a book called uh, The Four Loves, he says, something along the lines of the fact that like our friendships are as strong or as weak as the thing that we have in common. And so if you, if you live on the same street, it's like that street kept you together, you know, it's like thick and thin until we moved and then the street failed me, you know, and I didn't have any friends from before that. Right. Um, so kind of dramatic, but that's like, that's generally what happens. And so depending on how much you love a sport or how much you love, you know, um, like a, a sports team, you know, or how much you love an artist or any one of the things that is like, as you start to think of your friendships, well, what do we have in common? However much you and your other friend like that or it's valuable to you is going to determine like how much thick and thin you can get through. Does that make sense? Okay, have you guys had friends where it was like, yeah, I lived on the street and then I didn't and then now we're not friends anymore? Okay, so it's... 
kind of sad, not super sad when you're like a kid, maybe, unless it was like your best and only friend. But um, the reason I'm talking about all this friend stuff is because um, there is something that I learned when I was in college. Someone told me, and it has been proved to be true time and time again, and that is the fact that if you look at the books that you read, the music that you listen to, the media that you look at, the heroes that you have, and the friends that you hang out with, you can see what you're going to be like in five years. Have y'all heard that before? Or anything like it? Maybe? Okay, so the first time I heard this um, was when I was in college, like I mentioned, and that freshman year was 2008. So, oh, grandpa, exactly. Um, I'm Timmy's grandpa. Um, and so, you know, it's been like close to 15 years, basically 15 years since I first heard this. So it's been three times that much. And I can tell you with certainty, with looking at my life and my friends' lives and other people's lives who aren't my friends because they chose to have bad heroes and listen to crap music and read stupid things and like look at like demoralizing things on the media they're no longer like a person that like we have we don't have anything in common anymore and so all that being said like who your friends are one of those five I mean we spend a lot of time with our friends and so like that's a that's a big I mean it's at least one-fifth according to that analogy um, that takes up like makes up who who it can affect that we're going to be like so tonight we're going to talk about who our friends are, okay? Sound good? Sweet. Okay, so I'm going to pray real quick, and then we can look at some scripture and then talk about what that means for our lives. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for um, everyone here and the fact that we can come and worship and be together um, and learn uh, to look more like you and, um, yeah, just to... Um, be more like you, God, and um, to really see, like, what you have for us tonight. So, Holy Spirit, would you speak through me? Um, would you help me articulate what you want us to walk away with uh, when it comes to friendship? We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Sweet. So, what does the Bible say about friendship? Um, we are going to look at a couple passages from some books in the New Testament referred to as the epistles. Epistles is just a fancy letter, a fancy word for letters. Um, and so where they're at in the New Testament is you have the four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that covers the life and teachings of Jesus. The book right after that is how the disciples and the apostles went and spread Christianity throughout the early world. And so what had happened was there were all these communities of believers in these different cities and like the Mediterranean um, popping up and they were learning how to walk with God and how to uh, love each other. Um, and so these letters, a lot of them written by a guy named the Apostle Paul, um, he wrote them in like an attempt to like help them work through some of the stuff that they were dealing with, some of the issues that were going on between them and the culture. And ultimately, basically, in every single one of them, um, there was a lot to do with how to love each other well. Um, and so the first passage we're going to look at um, is 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. We're going to look at um, three passages to, to see, like, about friendship. 
So 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. It says this, Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Has anyone heard this passage before? Was it ever in the context of friendship? Was it ever at a wedding? Okay, so it is very applicable towards a husband and a wife loving each other. But that's actually not the original context it was written in. Paul wrote this to a group of people trying to learn how to love each other. They're, like, getting upset with each Like, just think about any of your friends that you've, like, tried to love, right? It's like you get upset with each other. You hurt each other's feelings. You say things you wish you wouldn't have. You want things that they want that, that they w- don't want or vice versa. And, like, it can be tough to, like, just push through and, like, love each other and, like, Think of others like above yourselves, right? And so um, that was going on in this early Corinthian church in the city of Corinth. Um, and so Paul was writing this to them to like basically say like, hey, you need to love each other. All of this other stuff is like important. But if you don't have love, then like not that your like time in life is like not worth anything, but like this is like the most important thing in terms of, like, interacting with each other. And so he gives them this list of, like, amazing things, and now it's used at weddings because it's such an amazing picture of what it means to love someone. And so it might be weird right now to, like, think about, like, oh, I've heard this at a wedding, and married people do things friends shouldn't do, so, like, what am I supposed to do with this passage? Um, what I what I want us to do is to kind of, like, I've I've pulled out everything that love says, um, and I'm just going to read those things off. And if you can think about yourself or a friend, um, th- like this is what should be true of us and can be true of us when we walk with God um, and our friends um, according to this passage. We're patient, we're kind, grateful, honoring, humble, selfless, slow to anger, quick to forgive. Off to a good start, right? If, if your friend was like this, it'd be pretty awesome, right? Doesn't badmouth behind your back, but celebrates what's good. Has your a friend has your back? Funny. Has your back? A friend is trusting and not suspicious. A trusting sorry, a friend believes in you and never gives up on you. So I just took those words, put them in a little bit easier to understand, like what does it look like for a friend to be like this? And uh that sounds like a pretty good friend, right? Like, would anyone want that to be true of them all the time? Okay. Would anyone want their friends to be like that, true of that all the time? Okay. Yes. There's a bigger yes on that one. So let's be that friend. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so, like, anyone who was like this would just be, like, amazing to be around, right? Like, I'm not sure if this is true of Messi. I'm not sure if it was true of Jacques Cousteau, I'm not sure if it was true of, like, some of these other people that maybe you guys didn't mention you would want to spend, like, the rest of your life with and be friends with. Um, They may not be the best friend, but, like, if someone was like this, it'd be amazing. Um, And so that's one picture we get of friendship. Uh, The second one I want to look at is, comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. 
So again, dealing with similar things in their community, Paul is writing to them about how to treat each other well, and this is what he says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So, um, the last one in Corinthians, it was like, love is this, love is this, love is this, right? And like, love is a very, like, obviously, like, cringe, cringe, Christian concept, right? Like, um, there's other verses and passages and stories that we see in the Bible that talk a lot about love. And if, you know, you've been around Christians long enough for the church or have heard the gospel enough, you know that, like, love is a very central theme to what Jesus is trying to do, like, in us and, like, through us. But this one is, like, it doesn't really, I mean, humility right there in the first verse. But, like, other than that, it doesn't seem like a very, like, explicitly Christian concept, right? It's just like regular old stuff. Um, but how often do you feel like, maybe not you and your friends, but just think of like, um, well, you can think of you and your friends, but just think of like um, in our world, like how often do you think people are like go going out of their way to like look to the interests of other people? Like, and how how often do you feel like people are, like, just like, you know what? I got all these ambitions, but I'm just going to, like, set them aside so that, you know, Abby can, like, be lifted up and her dreams can come true. And I'm going to help her get there, right? Her and Tommy, like, they're building a family. Like, you know, me and Grace are just going to, like, set our ambitions aside and we're going to help them get to where they need to be, right? Um, you usually see the opposite. Usually it's like, no, you know, got to take care of number one. That's me. I'm the best. Um, just look at, a, go listen to some, like, UFC um, pre-game, like, pre-match, pre like, speeches, right? They're like, I'm going to kill you, you know, like, I'm the best and all this stuff. Um, and uh, they are definitely out for blood. I mean, uh, like, they're out for blood, right, Jace? Yes. Jace sometimes, I think, is out for blood. I'm not sure. He says yes. Um but, yeah, so, like, just people are, like, not looking to each other's interests. Um, their, like, ambitions are only for themselves. Um, and uh, people are definitely, like, seemingly, like, overall, like, just not humble people. Um, and so I wanted to comment on humility real quick. Um, C.S. Lewis, um, he says something about humility. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less. You could include the word often at the end of that quote. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. So like, oh, what was me? I suck. I'm the, you know, bottom of the barrel, like the dirt of the ground. But it's thinking of yourself less. I think one reason why, like, people in the U.S. and, like, in our world are, like, like so, like, anxious and worried and, like, upset about stuff um, a lot of times is because um, everyone has problems. Some problems are admittedly more, you know, worse than others. Um, but the more that I think about my problems, the worse I'm going to get, okay? So I'm not saying that you shouldn't think about your problems at all, but I think what happens a lot of times is people just don't think of other people. 
And so the only thing that they're thinking about is what they got going on. And so this says, um, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. And with Lewis saying, think of yourself less. If we just get our eyes off, off of ourselves and onto other people more often, then like a lot of our problems will go away and we'll start to help other people with their problems. Right? So he's saying this not just to like one person like Christopher or Brandon, you know, it's like to a group of people. And so he's instructing them, like, look, think of everyone else. And if we're all thinking about someone else, if I'm thinking about Brandon, he's thinking about George, Jack, Jason, Jason's thinking about me, then all of our needs are met. Right? But if I'm only thinking about my own and his own, his own, and his own, and his own, then like, we're going to keep our problems and we're like, going to be like super self-absorbed because we're never thinking about anyone else. And so this is actually like a very like profound thing that Paul is trying to get them to realize um, because, yeah, just in thinking of other people, like a lot of things will like get better. Um, There's a story of a guy named Sadhu Sundar Singh. There he is. That's actually uh, the guy who played him in some movie. That is not what he really looks like, but he's got like a, a walking staff. He's got his turban. He's got his robe, um, and he's in the Him- Himalayan mountains. Okay, has anyone ever been to the Himalayan mountains? No. Okay, I, didn't, I haven't either, <laughs> um, but it looks cold <laughs> based off the picture and the stories and, you know, just geographically, it's like way up there in the north and they're super tall, right? Okay, so Sadhu Sundar Singh, he is a guy um, from India. He was born like late 1800s, lived just like to be like uh, just about around 30 years old. Well, he um, gets saved when he's about 16 and then from then on, um, he travels around a lot of times in the Himalayan mountains from village to village to tell people about Jesus because these villages were up there. No missionaries were ever going to go up there. So he takes it upon himself to walk barefoot with a single robe and a staff to all of these villages telling them about Jesus. Well, on one uh, of these treks, he's with another guy and they're going from like along this like ridge essentially and it's like super cold, it's snowing, there's snow on the ground, they're walking barefoot, and it's getting dark. So what happens when it gets dark, when it's cold? It gets colder, right, okay. Probably happens when it's hot outside too. Um, You just don't feel it as much. Okay, so yeah, like temperature drops way, way, way um, down when the sun goes down and it's already cold. So they're walking there like just a little ways from this one village they're trying to get to so they can like spend the night and be warm and like talk to them about Jesus. Well, Sadhu Sundar Singh looks down to his left and he sees that they see like a body. And this guy had like fallen off the ridge at some point before them and he was like going to freeze to death. And so Sadhu Sundar Singh, he tells the other guy, hey, there's this guy down there. We should go save him, bring him back up with us, get to the village. Maybe we can make it before it gets dark. The other guy's like, uh-uh, I'm not going down there. I ain't wasting any time. I'm going to go to this village. You can go without me. So he's like, I can't leave him. He's like conscience stricken. He like, I'm not going to like just look to my own interest and leave this guy like literally to freeze to death. So the other guy goes on, Sadhu Sundar Singh. He goes down. He brings him up back to the ridge, and they walk towards the village. 
sun has been going down, it's getting colder and colder, and they walk up to what looks like a body that was frozen. It was the other guy. The other guy died on his way to the village, and they realized that they were walking back to back to stay warm, and it was each other's body heat that kept them alive and got them to the village, whereas this selfish guy who didn't want to risk his life for this other guy's, he died because of his selfishness. Isn't that crazy? Like, I mean, super sad, you know, um, not like boasting like that this other guy froze to death, but it does definitely like reveal, I mean, it's, it's I mean, a good picture to me at least of like how um, thinking of other people's interests not only like helps them come to life, but like it helps you be like better as well. I mean, it literally saved this guy's life. Um, that's from his biography. Um, if you get a chance, you should check him out. He uh, did some amazing things for the Lord, and uh, it is really cool. Um, and so, you know, got two pictures of what it looks like to be walking um, in, in, in love and, like, not in self-interest. But I wanted to touch really quick on this other passage, um, another epistle, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And again, Paul is talking to them about how to interact with each other. Um, and this is what he says. So this is like, hey, kind of some w- stuff you don't want to be like. So this is what it says. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, um, this may seem like a little bit like out there, like, hey, who's actually doing witchcraft and having orgies? Um, not in here. I'm not saying not raise your hand. I'm saying like, hey, who <laughs> come up for prayer afterwards? Um, no, but um, like, like who who actually like does witchcraft? Like, come on, like, does anyone like is anyone a witch anymore? You know, like who's having orgies except you know like at like some hostel or whatever? You know, like the like people that are just like way, 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 way far off, right? Um, but what I thought was interesting about this passage is that it goes straight from witchcraft to these other things. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. And then it finishes up with drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So I think Paul put this, this other stuff right in between these seemingly way, 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 way worse acts in order to communicate that they're not all that different. I know, that is very crazy to think. How can witchcraft and orgies be the same as a fit of rage or envy? I don't know, but I think that if Paul wanted to qualify them or if he wanted them to be seen as like one is 
worse than the other or one is less bad as the other is bad, you know, more bad, then he would have said something about it. Or he would have maybe put it at the beginning or at the end in order for us to be like, oh, hey, like, you know, envy and fits of rage are at the beginning and like this other stuff is last. So he obviously did that on purpose in order to show that these later things were worse than the first ones, right? I mean, does this like, does anyone think that it could be possible that Paul is trying to communicate that these are the same? Okay, so they may not be the same they're obviously not the same actions, but I think they have the same effect on other people and on us, okay, which is really crazy to think. And I know this is heavy stuff, but I don't think that it's really all that different. Like, this is pretty common in our world. I mean, the things that we just talked about, um, you know, the, f- the flip side of um, love is patient, love is kind is like impatience, rudeness, envy, pride self-seeking, easily angered, keeping a record of wrongs, like suspicious, doubtful. I mean, that's like probably most friendships in our world has a lot of those things. And some of those same things are in this passage, selfish ambition, um, envy, jealousy, fits of rage. And so um, I just wanted to like not let us move on without seeing like that Next time someone's being jealous, maybe just call them a witch and see how they feel. That'd be a bad idea because of how they would respond. But according to Scripture, it seems like they're the same. Or like any time like people like just burst out in a fight, you say, hey, quit having an orgy. <laughs> it's hilarious. But they, they, would, they would think that you're like, crazy and like they get upset they get even more upset at you um for saying that but like according to scripture like why not just call one the other and then right i mean it's it's not the same obviously but um yeah i don't think that we're too far off from like i th- i think we need to look at this and say man it seems like the holy spirit through paul is trying to let us know that these things really are detrimental towards ourselves and each other. Um, So, with that, um, I know it's a lot, but um, kind of going back to like, okay, well then, you know, you got this like stuff in 1 Corinthians about being patient and kind and, you know, about being humble and looking to other people's interests. So, you know, what am I supposed to do, like, moving on from now? Like, how do I, like, overcome this, like, otherwise, like, fleshly um, future that I would have, like, myself and my friends? Um, Well, I wanted to look at the words of Jesus um, in not an epistle, but the book of John, chapter 15, verses 12 through 13. And he describes love, or friendship, as this. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. He basically says that we need to have the attitude that over my dead body will I let you live a stupid, selfish life. 
Over my dead body will I let you live a stupid, selfish life. He says his command, his, that greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Which means I am going to go as far as I can in order to make sure that you do not become the person that is described in this Galatians passage or the inverse, of the opposite of those other two. Because that person is terrible. There's a story um, in this one book of a king who lived in a far-off place in the most perfect home ever known to exist. His family was perfect, and everyone loved each other. Everyone always honored each other, and there was, a never, there was never a time where that love was broken. His kingdom and its laws were perfect because the laws were founded in his heart, and he was a perfect king. But one day, some of his servants in his kingdom were dying. There was a plague of selfishness roaming through his kingdom, People were living sexually immoral and impure lives. They were mastered by materialism, money, success, entertainment, and drug use. People hated and were jealous of their friends, would burst out in anger in each other's faces and gossip behind each other's backs. Everyone looked out for themselves, viewed themselves higher than each other, and took no interest in the lives of each other. Time had revealed that none of his subjects were able to stop it, either around them or even within themselves. So he had only one choice, and that was to leave his home, go out to where the subjects lived, and fix the problem himself. The only way this plague of selfishness would end is if he went down and taught them and showed them how to live a life of unselfishness and love. And he knew it would cost him two things. He knew his sub sorry, he knew he would have to leave his home, his perfect home where his family was perfect and everyone loved each other. And he knew it would cost him his life. Some of his subjects had forgotten his law of love, and he knew when he taught and showed it to them again, they would rather kill him than accept his message in life. But he went anyways because it was the only way to keep his subjects from killing themselves and each other and return to lives in abundance, according to his commands and character. And more than anything, he wanted those people to be able to live with him in his kingdom. And they wouldn't be able to do that in the condition that they were in because how can such terrible people be friends with such a good king? So the story goes, we see in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were, we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were the terrible friends in this kingdom who had been living selfish lives, and the only way out to be friends with God is that he would come down and give his life for us. Jesus said to his disciples the night that he would go be crucified on the cross for the sins of the world, trusting the Father that he'd be raised again three days later, he told them that last night, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. And then he goes and he hops up on a cross in joy, knowing that his, he would have friends with him forever. Jesus did exactly what he told his disciples was the greatest sign of love by giving his life for them. And why did he do it? Because he wanted us to be with him forever. The kind of friend that Jesus is is a patient one. He's kind, he's not rude, he's humble, he's grateful, he's selfless, he's slow to anger, 
quick to forgive. He doesn't badmouth us, but he celebrates the good within us. He has my back. He believes me. He believes in me, and he'll never give up on me. He cares about my future over my feelings. He's honest with me. He tells me what I need to hear and when and how I need to hear it. He wants to spend time with me. He's always available. And even in terms of, like, why we would potentially choose other friends, um, like, he's those things too. He's powerful. He made the whole universe. He created all things, and he, dis- he can destroy all things. He's smart. He knows everything that can be known, he, and he's the wisest of all beings. He's rich. He owns everything in the universe. All things belong to him. He's famous. Few people, if any, are known just as well as Jesus is, by man or by beast. And he's experienced. He's been around since the creation of the world. He's seen every culture rise and fall. He has a perfect track record in anything he's done. He runs the whole world and still makes time for me. Even if I move towns, go to a different school, stop playing a sport, or get a new phone, friendship with Jesus will always be possible. It says in the Bible that nothing can separate us from the love of God and Jesus, not even death. So there's no reason why Jesus will not or cannot be friends with us, both now and for eternity. He's all of these things and more, and yet he wants a personal friendship with each of us if we would take him up on his offer. I asked you at the beginning, you know, if you could be friends with anyone, who would it be? And I told you that um, I could show you your future if you showed me your friends. If your hero, you know, or your celebrity idol or this, you know, historical figure that you really look up to was like, hey, I'll be your friend um, for the rest of your life. But like you could only choose one person and Jesus was on that list and you had to choose between him and some of them. Well, you might make a smart choice if you're trying to get the best at soccer. But if you want to learn how to be a godly friend, then you'd have to go with Jesus. If he was giving you the opportunity to like be friends with him forever and that he would spend as much time with you as you want, then you'd be stupid not to take that offer. So the question is, if Jesus is offering us friendship, how do we be his friends? Well, it's pretty simple. He has one condition and it's in John 15, verse 14. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Whoa, that's not how friendship works. Maybe not with each other, but the God of the universe who's infinite, holy, almighty, that's a sweet deal. You're telling me all I have to do to be friends with God is do what he says? (laughs) I'll do it every day. I'll do it every day for the rest of my life. Because to be friends with God is like, I mean, there's other people that I would love to be friends with, but like even like compared to, to Jesus, like they don't pale in comparison. Like he is, he is the best friend that you can have. So I think it's a pretty sweet deal. I don't know about you guys, but just to do what Jesus says in order to be his friend, that sounds pretty amazing. 
So his commands are simple, and they're expounded on, but Jesus sums them up with two things. In Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus replied to a guy asking about life with God. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two things. So we need to love God with everything, and we need to love each other as ourself. So what does it look like to love God? I'd say there's two primary things that we need to do to know God, and it's to read your Bible, and it's to pray. Read your Bible and to pray. To be a good friend to anyone, you need to know about their lives, and you need to open up about yours. When we read the Bible, it is the primary way that we get to know what God is like, because in his word, it talks about what he's like. It talks about things that he's done and things that he wants to do. It talks about things that he said and things that he's continued saying. It talks about victories that he's won in the past and talks about how happy he was when certain people obeyed him and how unhappy he was when people disobeyed him. It talks about how he created the world. It talks about some of his hopes and some of his dreams and about his character, his holiness, love, faithfulness, goodness, and power. So we need to read his word if we're going to get to know him. And if you don't read his word, then you won't really know him. It's like saying you know someone, but you've never really heard them talk, and they've never shared with you about their life. It'd be foolish to say that you know that person because you don't know anything about them. So we need to read his word if we want to know him. And we must also pray because prayer is how we share things with him. So talk to Jesus. It's awesome, guys. He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you. Evan, the other night at worship night, shared uh, that he had thought about this um, verse in Revelation chapter 4, and it talks about God welcoming people into his presence. He wants us to be with him. We sang about it before I came up here, that God wants us to be in his presence. And so talk to him. Talk to him when you wake up, during the day, and at night. Talk to him when you're writing the PRT or stuck in traffic in front of the lair or you're making lunch or dinner. Talk to him about good stuff, upsetting stuff, difficult things, easy things, things you need help with. Be honest with him and talk to him like when you need help. You should start your day with him and ask what you should do. You can do things with Jesus. It's not like you have to be talking to him the whole time just like you're not going to talk to your friends the whole time like you're eating breakfast or playing soccer or at the football game or at rally or small group, right? I mean, like, ask Jesus into your life by asking him into this thing, these things that you're already doing. As you spend more time with Jesus, reading his word, talking with him, and inviting him into your day, the more you will get to know him and understand him. You'll learn what he means when he says certain things or when he says nothing at all. For hours, you can talk or not say anything at all. When you're really friends with Jesus, it doesn't matter what you're doing as long as you're together. And there's nothing that keeps you from being able to spend forever together. There are no limits to how much time we can spend with him and how well we can know him. In short, you're as close to God as you want to be. That's awesome. 
You're as close to God as you want to be. He has already demonstrated through history, through Jesus coming to this life, to this earth, spending his life and giving his life for us to be with him, that God really wants us with him. So the only factor is on us. We can be as close to him as we want to be. Jesus is so amazing. Friendship with Jesus is eternal life. When you're friends with Jesus on earth, you'll be friends with him forever. Heaven is heaven because of who you're with, not where you are. Heaven is heaven because of who you're with, not where you are. It's not a destination. It's a person. It's Jesus. All the times that we've experienced with our friends that we wish could have lasted forever, we wish they could have lasted forever because they were awesome. The only things that, like, kept those um, times from lasting forever was all the responsibilities that we had or things that we needed to do or people that we needed to see. But with Jesus, every moment we wish could last forever, and it's awesome because every moment can when we walk with him, both now and for eternity. So when you hang out with Jesus long enough, not only are you able to, like, be close to him, but you also become like him, which I think is really awesome. In the same way that, you know, like, hey, who are your friends? Look at them in five years. Y'all are going to be pretty similar the same thing is true with Jesus. As a friend, when we spend time with him, we start to become like him. We start to become patient and kind, right? And we stop being rude and self-seeking. We start looking to other people's interests, and we start wanting to every single day lay our lives down for our friends. And not only, like, do you become a better friend, but you also um, are able to be friends with anyone. There's this... Uh, picture up here. It's uh, some of my friends from Texas that um, they actually came up here. That was Sean and Heather's uh, couch being suffocated uh, a few years ago. They came up here. Um, basically, these are a lot of my friends, similar to y'all's that you have now. We we're all small group leaders in Chi Alpha at the school that we went to, and we've basically been um, best friends ever since. Um, some of these guys, like we still try and keep in contact, um, and because of what Jesus has done in our life, like, we really want to. But there was one point when we were uh, still in Texas, uh, we were all still in school, and I looked around the room, we were all hanging out, and I was like, what the heck are we, like, why are we hanging out? And everyone's like, what? Like, I wasn't upset, but I was just thinking, like, where each one of us would be if we didn't love Jesus. So not only would we have that thing in common, but, like, Top left guy, Scott, he'd basically be a psychopath. Um, Frankie in the back, who's now at boot camp, he would have, like, just given himself entirely to the military, which he's now there for Jesus. Uh, Jason Goldsberry in the middle on the couch, he's, like, him and Ian on the left. They're, like, country bumpkins, like, that they just would have, like, worked on their property for the rest of their lives. And then the two other guys, like, I don't, I have no clue what they would have been doing. Um, but... I just didn't think of it. But, they, you know, we, we wouldn't be hanging out together is what, I'm t is, is what I'm trying to say. But because of Jesus, because he was in our life and he was our common interest, the thing that we shared was Jesus, who's unchanging, the most powerful, the, the best person out of anything or anywhere in all of eternity. Because he's unchanging and he's the best, our friendships could be together and that's how we can know each other. That's how we can know each other then, still now, and for all of eternity. Because when you're friends with Jesus, you can be friends with your other friends with Jesus for forever.
So, um, yeah, I know this has been a lot. Uh, I just wanted to share with you guys uh, one last thing, and that is um, not only that when you walk with Jesus, uh, he changes you, but it actually means that we have a responsibility to love other people. So far, the, th the love that I've been talking about is, is somewhat of like a byproduct of spending time with God. But there's another type of love that is actually like kind of difficult, right? It's, it is that like denying yourself and, and taking interest in other people's lives. And um, put simply, the, responsible, the responsibility type of love, we say, is an unselfish choice for the highest good of God and his kingdom. Love is an unselfish choice for the highest good of God and his kingdom. Being friends with God costs something because it costs Jesus something. So it's going to, so not only does being friends with him cost something, but it also costs us being friends for each other. The more we walk with God, the more willing we will become like him, and the more willing we'll be to lay down our lives for each other. Uh, Katie, y'all can come back up. Um, and uh, yeah, like this, this takes time to, to learn how to do it, and it's, it's often not very fun, um, but it's definitely necessary because we need each other. Um, I am super grateful for um, those guys and um, that I was friends with at Sam Houston and, and my friends here who helped me walk with Jesus um, because they t they're honest with me. And they tell me when I'm being stupid, um, and they remind me of the things of God, um, and, and they help me, like, get my eyes off of myself and onto him and other people. So when you're friends with God, your friendships with other people, um, you can actually care. We say friends care more about your future than your feelings. So this is kind of like... You know, and someone's being stupid, <laughs> I've got to, like, actually tell them that they're being stupid. Or when they're doing something that is, like, right in line with who Jesus wants them to be, it's saying, hey, man, I'm so grateful that you're helping me see more of what Jesus is like. So a practical way to think about, like, how do I go about actively loving people is just um, really simple, and it's... Um, is, is something that, like, I, like, come back to all the time. And it's love finds a need and meets it. So if you're like, man, how do I, like, how do I love someone in this moment or in this season of my life? Or, you know, so-and-so is going through a difficult thing. Or, hey, like, this person seems like they have all that they need. Um, just look for needs to meet. That is, like, love lived out is, like, looking and finding needs to meet in your friends. So lay down your time. Some, some ways that you can do this. You can um, give some of your money um, to friends who need it. I actually have a couple friends who um, I needed a car one time, and they gave me close to $1,000 so I could get a car. Like, our, like my car had, like, broken down recently, and, like, they, like, gave, like, close to $1,000 so that I could, like, have more of a down payment on a car. I mean, that's, like, that's a lot of money. Right? And so, like, they weren't just going to, like, think, like, oh, hey, like, I just, I couldn't use this on anything else or anything like that. Like, I mean, that, like, that was some sacrifice that they had. Like, they were thinking of my interests over their own. You can start simple. I'm sure, like, they did. Pay for somebody's meal. 
Some of you guys are going to Kegler's or Sonic after this. Just pay for someone's meal. If everyone's looking to each other's interests, we can even pay for every, everyone's meal to our right, and then everyone will be paid for, and you may not feel like you did anything, but it'll do something in you, and it'll do something in them. So pay for someone's meal. You can give someone a ride. The amount of rides that I've given and received from and to the airport are like so many, and it's such a huge deal. Don't have to give someone a ride to the airport. Give them a, side, give them a ride from rest, West Run or their dorm or the library if it's like late at night. You can honor people. You can bring snacks to small group. Clean someone's dishes. That one's tough. You can be honest with someone about how they dishonored someone. You can forgive when someone hurts you. Just get into a get into a hobby of someone else so you can do things that they enjoy. Pray for each other. Ask someone how their day is going and actually listen and care. So I know that this was a lot, and hopefully you guys took at least one or two things away because what is awesome is that it's not just one of us in here. There's a lot of us. And if all of us took this stuff seriously, then it would be like an entire com- it would be an entire community of selfless, loving, humble, caring people, right? And when we have a community of that, not only are all of us taken care of, but we're going to start to look outside of these doors and our small groups and our community, right? We're going to start to take interest in the lives of other people that aren't as easy to love as we become more like Jesus. And when that happens, people start asking questions. Hey, why are you like this? How come you guys love each other so well? I see that you guys are always like joyful and like humble and kind to each other. Like, what is the deal? And without even having to say anything to them about Jesus, it opens the door for a conversation about him because of how you treated them and how we have treated each other. What if like our reputation on campus was, oh man, those people in Chi Alpha, they're crazy. They're, they all love each other. That'd be pretty cool, right? I mean, I don't know what our reputation is now if we have one, but if we start to do this, I think that people can start getting saved. And then we'll teach them how to love each other. So this is a lot more than just, you know, like, hey, we grew up in the same neighborhood together. Um, and, uh, or like we both like playing soccer. I mean, like, if we really want to be the best friends that we can be, let's get close to Jesus and start doing what he says. So for response tonight, um, just one of two things, depending on where you're at. But they're basically just to get close to Jesus. The first one is, if you're not friends with Jesus, start there. Surrender your life to him. Thank him for what he's done in your life. Accept his death on the cross for you so you can be friends with him forever. Number two, if you've given your life to him, get close to him and ask him how you can be a better friend. Read his word, ask him for help, and surround yourself with his friends. I guess there's a third. Third, look for a need and meet it. Do something unselfish for somebody. 
It sounds so simple, and it is. Just being friends can be difficult, but Jesus made it simple. It's in his character, and it's how life works. So, yeah, just I'm going to pray, and then, you know, ask the Lord, ask a friend if you need to pray with someone. But, yeah, just start, start where you're at. Friendships build over time, and Jesus knows that. Father God, thank you for tonight. Again, thank you for the things that you've shown me and the things that you've shown my friends. Um, and yeah, just how you came um, and, and you were the best friend that we could ever have. And you've shown us how to be a great friend. Lord, would you help us desire to know you, to be your friend, God, so that we can be friends with you forever and that we can know how to be good friends to others. Lord Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you move?